0: the devil's in the details. So in NLP, we go in very, very specifically and get uh, the structure of those thoughts. Are they pictures? Are they sounds? Are they feelings? What are the qualities of those pictures, sounds, and feelings that really make up the experience? It's not what you're thinking about, it's how you're thinking about it that makes all the difference.
1: What's up everybody, I'm Blake Fletcher and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast where we explore the interesting paths people take in life if you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash half hour intern. In today's episode, I speak with Mike Bundrent, who is one of the foremost experts on NLP, otherwise known as neurolinguistic programming. So Linguistic programming is super interesting and like very broad and encompasses a lot of different stuff. Um, from the Wikipedia page, it says, NLP is an approach to communication, personal development, and psychotherapy, by Richard Bandler and John Grinder in California in the US in the 1970s. So I was first introduced to NLP um, by Tony Robbins. Uh, as I mentioned in the interview, I'm very into uh, just like personal development and bettering yourself and this and that. And Tony Robbins is uh, is really into the NLP world and kind of put his own spin on NLP to make it very kind of like uh, pump you up and transformative and this and that. But basically, what linguistic programming is, is it looks at the ways that we communicate with ourselves internally and how we are communicating with ourselves, whether that be verbally or non-verbally. So if it's just images or feelings or this or that, um, but how the way that we communicate with ourselves uh, changes our experience of the world and therefore changes our entire lives. So whether you have a phobia because of the story that you're telling yourself about something or whether the story that you're telling yourself about your life and who you are is keeping you from achieving something. And it can be very, very subtle the way that we obviously think about these things. Um, so it, there's a lot of, of digging that needs to be done. And well, that's why you need uh, someone who is a kind of practitioner in neurolinguistic programming to usually help with this. And uh, and that's where it overlaps with the whole entire psychotherapy realm and where therapists get into this and helping people kind of unravel uh, how they are neuro-linguistically programming themselves. So anyways, like I said, Mike is a total expert in this. He created a website a long time ago called INLP, which is one of the foremost websites for training people in NLP. And uh, anyways, we will discuss all sorts of things about NLP, how we end up programmed, um, how we can try to, to redo the programming and, uh, and just kind of the history of, of NLP and how it came into the world. So without further ado, here is Neuro Linguistic Programming Expert. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
0: You bet. Thanks for having me, Blake.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited to do this. I've always been very interested in, uh, in kind of like bettering myself. Um, On the one hand, on the other hand, I've also been very interested in psychology and things Mm -hmm. like that. NLP is such an interesting blend of kind of all of these things. And and one of the people who I've enjoyed so much through my life of kind of betterment and trying to be the best Blake that I can be is Tony Robbins, who's so fantastic and uh, and deserves a lot of the, the wonderful praise that he gets. And, you know, he's a huge supporter of NLP and everything. So uh, that introduced me a little bit to it uh, throughout the course of my life. But I definitely do not know that much about it. So why don't we just mm-hmm. start with a basic definition of NLP for everyone listening right now for wherever they are at in terms of their understanding?
0: Okay, sure. NLP is an acronym. It stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And of course, I know that probably doesn't help, Uh, probably makes it worse, (laughs) right, neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, But it is a set of communication skills that uh, was developed in the early 1970s by a group of people at the University of Santa Cruz, and they were psychology students and professors and so forth. And they just decided to take a little bit uh, of a different approach uh with mental health therapy psychology, which is rather than develop tools based on problems that people are having, they decided to develop tools based on the solutions people found so for example uh typically in psychology and mental health, if somebody say has a phobia you'll study that phobia and you'll study, you know, the phobic response in general. You'll, you'll take a really good look at what's wrong and what's the history of the problem and so on and so forth. And that's an excellent approach. I'm not knocking that. There's nothing wrong with it. NLP developers decided to, rather than study the person with the phobia or phobias, they decided to go find people who used to have phobias but got over it.
1: It just makes so much more or sense. Another.
0: I know. And then let's break down what those people did specifically in their minds uh, in order to overcome the phobia so that we can have something to teach to other people. And so that approach, which in NLP we call modeling, is how most of the NLP tools uh, developed. Uh, going and finding the therapists, the mental health counselors who were just the best in their fields. And Milton Erickson was one of those at the time, uh, the kind uh, of the father of modern hypnotherapy. Well, what is, what, what was Milton Erickson doing? How, uh, doing, uh, how can you break his approach down and make it teachable? And Virginia Satir, the family systems therapist and Fritz Perls of Gestalt therapy. So, it began as this study of the people who are successful. And of course, from there, uh, you know, in the last 40 years, NLP has become this grassroots movement that's branched out from therapy and, uh, you know, in business, education, healthcare. care. Uh, it's just, you know, infused into all of these different fields, really big in the life coaching industry now. Totally. Yeah, it's huge. Go, hey, I need tools to actually work with people. To solve problems and help them get what they want and nlp is all about uh you know putting tools in your toolbox
1: yeah it's a very empowering sort of uh model you know it, it makes sense that people that are into life coaching and things like that would want to uh learn something like nlp versus maybe some other psych models which are maybe a little bit more like sad or or whatever it is you know <laughs> it's like not something that you really want to be like working on with people in like a big room yeah. and trying to pump people up versus NLP there is a little bit of like this this uh like pump you up like empowering aspect to it i guess i should say so it makes yeah. sense that they want to do it
0: yeah now um tony robbins is uh, at the field of NLP which was pretty obscure before tony robbins took his uh NLP practitioner training and then you know he's Tony Robbins, so he did what he did with it, and he really put NLP on the in the public eye more than any other person has. And his uh, his approach certainly is motivational, pump you up, and that's that's one way that you can use NLP. There are people who have a real therapeutic approach to NLP, and it's not at all a downer. But they're not Tony Robbins pump you up. They're, they're more <laughs> right. like, okay, you know, what is it that you want to get out of our therapeutic relationship or our coaching relationship? Let's figure out what stands in your way, what you what you want, and then let's apply tools in order to get you there. And it's not uh, motivational speaking, so to speak, but again, it has this solution oriented approach, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, for sure. So something that you mentioned earlier that, that when you were going over uh, kind of the genesis of NLP was breaking down why people like how people were able to overcome, let's say, a phobia or something mm-hmm. like that. And I feel mm-hmm. like breaking it down, it, it must be the key, key, key part of it for the person in your shoes or or like the quote unquote therapist or whoever it is, because everyone has such different reasons for success and everyone has such different reasons for the re- for why something works and more importantly um and this is like the huge thing about nlp is everyone is going to interpret their success in a different way you know and like an interpret mm-hmm. the, like why it happened differently so mm-hmm. i guess discuss a little bit like how you try to get to the root of what the real success was or what the real problem was or something like that because i would imagine if let's say um you know it sounds so simple of like oh just go to people that got over a phobia and ask them why they did it, and if you talk to 10 people that had snake phobias and they all got over it, I could very easily see getting 10 totally different reasons. You know, like, one person's like, oh, God help me, and the next person's like, well, I just pictured my mom's head on one of the snakes, or, you know, like, just, like, totally weird things for, like, all the 10 different reasons, Um, but then it's kind of, I guess, up to you to discover or ask more questions to get some sort of underlying thing.
0: Yeah, that's, you know what, that's a, uh, you know, congratulations to you, because that is an Excellent, excellent question. Uh, and it suggests that, you know, if there's 100 people that have a, a phobia, you, you get 100 different reasons or explanations about why they got over the phobia. Right. But what's interesting is that uh, with NLP, we're not really paying attention to their uh, the interpretation about why we want to know how. And so you take those 100 people and, and break down how, what mental process they went through. And I'll give you an example of this. But if you break down those 100 people, you're going to find out that they all went through a very similar mental process hmm. in order to get over it, regardless of their explanation. Because the ment- our mental processes for most of us are largely unconscious, we're not aware. And so when I tell you, hey, Blake, you know, I'm thinking about something here, so give me a few minutes to think about it, I may not be aware how I'm thinking about it at all. I may be aware of what I'm thinking about. So all of us think we process information through three primary channels related, you know, three of the five sentence, uh, senses. We see things, we hear things, we and we feel things. And when I become aware, it's like, okay, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about uh, uh, a person that I knew in college. And I could be seeing a picture in my mind of that person, I could be hearing that person's voice, or I could be feeling the feelings that I have associated with that person. Or I could be doing a combination of all three. But when I tell you, I'm thinking about a person that I knew in college that's a vague sentence it doesn't really say anything about the specific thought process that's going on within me right now in terms of what am I actually seeing and hearing and feeling inside my mind so when someone with a phobia says God helped me heal it or you know what I just uh, uh, just uh, went through a process where I got uh used to being around snakes little by little? Well, the what that person is seeing, hearing, and feeling in their mind, the qualities of those picture, sounds, and feelings change over time from when they're afraid to when they're not afraid. How did those the qualities of those picture sounds and feelings change? from when they were afraid to when they are not afraid. We're going to get that information. So it doesn't matter what their explanation was. I mean, it's meaningful to them. But what matters is, what was the structural change in their mind in terms of what they see, hear, and feel around snakes that made all the difference?
1: Oh, interesting. So it's not like, okay, what do you think cured you of the snake phobia? It is like uh, the... Two weeks ago, what did you feel like when you saw a snake? Today, what do you feel like when you saw see a snake? And you know how are you interpreting the snake? And that's the answer that you want to get.
0: And yeah, and what made the difference? So let me give you a quick example of how what we see, hear, and feel in our mind uh, determines our experience. So imagine for a moment that you are on a roller coaster and you're in the front seat of the front car and you have you're looking down the track and you're about to go down a hill just go into that image of being on a roller coaster for a moment and what happens
1: yeah my stomach gets a little fluttery
0: yeah you get you you get the feeling right it's like uh there you are okay now try it a different way we're still gonna picture uh, you on a roller coaster, but now you're going to picture the roller coaster about a thousand yards away. So it's way off in the distance. And when you look at it, you see yourself. Maybe you can't see yourself clearly, but there's the car going around the track. And how do you feel now looking at it from a thousand yards away?
1: Yeah, I guess more calm. It's, yeah, I mean, because it's right. literally a more like objective way to look at the situation.
0: Exactly. So. We're still, I wouldn't have any idea how you are picturing the roller coaster or how you're thinking about a roller coaster if you're saying, hey, Mike, I'm thinking about a roller, roller coaster. Well, some people think about a roller coaster, and whenever they think about it, it naturally comes up. They're in the front seat of the car looking down the track. Other people, when they think about a roller coaster, it naturally comes up as they're looking at it in the distance. One oh, person man, gets that's excited, so interesting. Yeah, one person gets excited and one person's like, "Eh, roller coasters aren't that big of a deal. How the image is showing up in their mind is what makes all the difference. So one person thinks about a snake and panics. Another person thinks about a snake and doesn't panic. How that uh, image of a snake is structured in their mind makes all the difference in the world. And so when you look at people... Who aren't afraid of snakes or used to be afraid of snakes, but something shifted. What happened is the image of a snake, uh, they're taking an observer, more distant view of the snake. And the person with the snake phobia has a close up rhyme right next to the snake about to be bitten image in their mind. So, again, it's all just thinking about a snake, thinking about a roller coaster. The devil's in the details. So in NLP, we go in very, very specifically and get uh, the structure of those thoughts. Are they pictures? Are they sounds? Are they feelings? What are the qualities of those pictures, sounds, and feelings that really make up the experience? It's not what you're thinking about. It's how you're thinking about it that makes all the difference.
1: That is really, really interesting. So in yeah. with the term neuro-linguistic programming, would it be appropriate to say that almost like at some point in your life, you neuro-linguistically programmed yourself without knowing it to have some sort Wish. of thing, and now we are trying to reprogram. We are trying to re-neuro-linguistic program to something else, to something
0: different. Exactly. That's it. We have a saying in NLP, one of our presuppositions is that people work perfectly. The, the the program that is playing in your mind and body right now, it's working perfectly. It makes all the sense. But it, so if you have a fear or if you're stuck in some way, you have a program made up of inner picture sounds and feelings and they're it's playing out and it's working to produce the result you're getting. And so if every time I think of going up and speaking in front of a group of people, I get a picture in my mind of them laughing at me, and, and then I'm afraid to go up, and I feel humiliated, and so on and so forth. Well, that program is working perfectly. I mean, ask anybody, hey, imagine you're gonna go give a speech, But in your mind, first, play an image of everyone laughing at you like you're an idiot. And then notice how you feel. Well, I'm going to feel humiliated. I'm going to feel scared. I'm not going to want to go up and give a speech. Right. That program is actually working perfectly. And uh, it makes all the sense in the world that it would end up with that result. So let's reprogram that. Let's set up a different script in your mind mind that leads to different uh, results
1: i love it because it's so solution and results oriented and not mm-hmm. uh not very problem oriented um yeah because i i can i can imagine like me let's say going to a therapist and the therapist trying to be like all right let's get to the root of why you have this issue and trying to almost like take you back you know like okay so i for instance i'm really afraid of of most insects like i hate like flying insects and stuff and if they're like, okay, let's try to find out like why you have this problem. Like, let's go back to when you first like encountered flying insects. Like, I don't remember any of that. Like, I don't I don't know why I'm afraid of flying insects. I have no idea why. Yeah. What's nice in yeah. neurolinguistic programming is like, I don't care why. Like, I don't care why the original reason was. That doesn't even matter. Yeah. The, the what matters is that we make you not afraid of it right now. And that's right. all that matters. And in right. in further like to your point, if you are a toddler or a baby or whatever and, and and there were to be insects flying around me when i was a toddler like there's no way that i'm going to be afraid of them it's just impossible you know yeah. as as a kid you're not afraid of anything because right. there's no there's no programming there's absolutely no programming right. for things for you to be afraid of and uh so some, yeah i mean obviously some some sort of programming you must have screwed yourself up in some way to have whatever your fear is now i would imagine that pretty much anyone listening to this or me thinking about this right now though is that's all cool and fine and good but like i'm always going there is nothing that you could say to me that would make me not afraid of flying bucks you know or like if somebody is really yeah. afraid of snakes they're probably like listening to your example of snakes just thinking like that it doesn't matter like i'm always afraid of snakes forever you know like it's i'm never not going to be afraid of snakes uh mm-hmm. it, like how yeah, i guess fine. how do we go through this and get over this
0: well uh my response to that is, um, cool, I'm good with that. Um, because in NLP, uh, we always, no matter what, we always start with the client's outcome. In other words, it's what do you want? Uh, and it's one of the hardest questions for people to answer in general, right? It's like, what do you want? What do you want out of life? I mean so many different things in life coaching, for example, example, uh, whole fields uh, or elements of life coaching that have have developed just to help people figure out what they want, and what their purpose is, and so on and so forth. But you say to me now uh, if you say to me, "Look, Mike, um, there's nothing you can do or say or whatever. There's no magic that would ever uh you know make insects." to me or make me not afraid of them. It's like, okay, cool. I'm good with that. I mean, I don't have a problem. Now, let's say a year from now, uh, something in your life has changed such that you go, I simply have to get over my fear of insects. I don't necessarily believe I can, but I have to, because I mean, maybe you got an opportunity and it's being around, you know, it's going to involve being around insects and, you know, Thing calm. I don't know what it is. Make something <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. But it's like something in your know, life changes where you go, I got to change this and I don't know how. Then you call me and say, Mike, um, I, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm really skeptical or whatever, but I've got to get over this. Just help. And I'll go, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Right. So it always starts with the client's outcome. And it's not necessary for anyone to believe that it's going to happen. This is not a faith healing. Uh, It's not necessary for you to believe. What is necessary is for you to want to do something about it. And so that's where I go to. It's like, okay, you don't have to believe, but is this what you want? Mm. Is this what you want to have happen? If it did happen, whether you believe it or not, if it did happen, would that give you some result that, would benefit you in your life. And if, the and if you go, yes, I go, well, okay, let's, let's see what happens here and do it. And if you go, eh, no, then it's like, okay, cool. I mean, it's no problem. No problem at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's great. I like that. So I know that there's also a major tie between NLP and hypnotherapy and you mentioned, mm-hmm. w- was that one of the founders of NLP that also was in hypnotherapy or a uh, different gentleman?
0: Yeah, there are. there's a whole group of people, uh, John Grinder, Richard Bandler, Robert Diltz, Frank Pusilic, uh, Leslie Cameron Bandler, Judith Delosier, a whole group of people who sort of jointly developed NLP. One of the successful therapists that they modeled was Milton Erickson, who was just this gifted uh, medical hypnotherapist. He was a psychiatrist, but he was... Uh, super gifted hypnotherapist who did amazing things with people. So they spent time with Milton uh, looking at what he did with people through the lens of how can we break this down into something teachable. So many of his Milton's language patterns, the linguistic part of neuro linguistic programming is all about language patterns. We have language patterns, uh, certain uh, linguistic systems, if you will, that we use when we're speaking to people about what they want in order to gain a lot of clarity. We have a system called the Metamodel that we use to help people become uh, very, very clear and specific about what they're communicating and fill in all the gaps to avoid miscommunication. Hmm. We have a linguistic system based on Milton Erickson that is all about how to speak art in an artfully vague way so that the other person fills in their own details sometimes that's appropriate to do and that's that's really the language of hypnosis really is uh the the language of vagary how do you become when you start speaking to people in very vague terms they start filling in their own details of what Things mean. And as people fill in their own details, their attention goes internal and a trance starts to develop. It's really common, uh, but hypnotherapists tend to use that phenomenon therapeutically.
1: Mm, that's very interesting. So, so with yeah. hy- that sort of hypnotherapy and even using those techniques in NLP, are you then not even like I think when uh, everyone thinks of hypnosis, they think of like, you know, uh, cartoon style hypnosis of like, you know mm-hmm. putting a, a watch in front of someone's face and then they like conk out yeah. and fall asleep and then you're talking right. to them with right. that form of hypnotherapy is the person completely awake and it's just you're accessing a more subconscious part of their brain or uh yeah something yeah. like that
0: yeah you might think of uh a a form of hypnotherapy that would fit well with NLP a sort of conversational hypnotherapy uh without this formal trance induction and, uh, you know, that whole classic uh, hypnosis uh, process. Now, it's more you are, uh, you know, you have rapport, you're talking with someone. Uh, many times you're asking them to become aware of what's happening on the inside. And often a trance develops and, and so forth. But it's it's a much more interactive conversational process. Because our goal wouldn't be to, I'm going to knock someone out in a trance and reprogram their brain and they're going to wake up and start doing things differently and and, and be none the wiser. Now, our goal in NLP would be to, uh, the client participates consciously in the process and so their consciousness actually uh, expands, their self-awareness becomes greater and they learn to recognize what is unconscious for them. And begin to participate in shifting it to make things better. Mm. So, we want them consciously involved for the most part.
1: That's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would imagine that with something like that, there are certain people that it's a lot more difficult to do that with. I'm thinking of, um, let's say, people who are like very ADHD, um, mm-hmm. which I mean, is it, like an increasingly such a larger part of the population just by the nature of. You know all the information that's thrown at us constantly. You know that right. you're like constantly analyzing, constantly analyzing things. Yeah. And so there's that. There's people that are just incredibly high functioning. So then it's like if you're trying to speak to their conscious and their subconscious, they're paying attention to all of that while it's happening. You know, uh-huh. and it's like they they can't get out of their own head. You know, mm-hmm. and then they mm-hmm. and therefore they can't get out of their own way as you're trying to sort of help them. Um, are there are, are there people like this that that things like hypnotherapy sure. and Nlp can be very difficult for because they are so just caught up in their head that that they can't like re- almost relax enough to allow it to take place
0: yeah yeah I think so well especially when it comes to classic hypnosis where you're just going to start to do a progressive relaxation to help someone relax and so forth you have someone who whose thoughts are just racing and jumping around and so on and so forth, um, that's gonna be a lot harder. An NLP approach to that would be some, might look something along the lines of, um, you know, uh, again, it depends on what the client's goal is. So, for example, someone says, you know, my thoughts just race and jump around and so on, I can't relax, it's like, well, is it your goal to relax? And if it's your goal to relax, then uh, we start with what's the structure of what's happening now. So uh, you've got these thoughts. What are these thoughts? Are they pictures flashing through your mind? Are are you talking to yourself constantly? Are you hearing sounds? And we're going to go into that and uh, play around in that area for a while. And if the thoughts are happening really, really quickly, um, like movie scenes flashing over and over and over again then we're going to go into that we're going to hang out there and say is there a mechanism where you can flash these movies only slow down the rate at which they're flashing or if you can't can you speed it up before you slow it down i mean we just start playing around with the mechanism and find out what can we do with it Mm. Uh, what we're not trying to do is say I'm going to ignore that all of these racing thoughts in your mind and I'm just going to tell you to relax, right? <laughs> That's not going to work. Yeah. Um I'm going to go into those thoughts with you. We're going to break them down and we're going to start to find out where is there uh where's the right lever to pull in order to make some sort of a difference.
1: Yeah, for sure. Just now you even just saying the um let's kind of look at the all these thoughts you're having. Um that I'd almost like calm me down. Even hearing you say that it, it's like, it, it's, yeah. it's a very calming thing to know that you're about to take a step back and analyze your own thoughts. Um, cause it disconnects you from them a little bit, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, it that does. those are my thoughts. And this is me. We're not one and the same. So I, I'm going to go ahead and take a step back from that for a second.
0: That that's it. Exactly. It, it, for a couple of different reasons, if I, again, I'm Let's say I'm thinking about the roller coaster and I'm just completely absorbed in the experience. But then you ask me, Mike, is that roller coaster image in your mind? You're aware that it's an image, right? And I go, Oh, <laughs> yeah, there actually is a picture in my mind. That that awareness takes up a little chunk of my uh, conscious attention. And the awareness that it's an image uh, is an observation. And that distances me a little bit from just the pure experience of it. Mm. Uh, so, absolutely. Then you say, well, is that image life size? Is it smaller than life size? You got a roller coaster image in your mind that's the size of a postcard, a postage stamp, or is, is it life size or is it bigger than life size? And now suddenly, um, I'm still thinking about a roller coaster, but an element but i'm also thinking about my thought that, right. of the roller coaster and, and you're probably removed feeling
1: so much less emotional as you're yes. as you're doing this which is yeah. god got to be so nice for this person that has always had so much emotion tied to exactly. whatever the image is
0: yeah you find that people come in and the uh, the most difficult things for them to talk about suddenly they're able to have very productive conversations about those things because uh, they're not so caught up in it Wow. and really helpful. Yeah, that's a really great point you brought up.
1: So tell us a little bit more about yourself before we continue to talk about NLP. So tell us about your history and your history in the psych world and then what kind of drew you towards NLP when you started learning about it.
0: So... I, in 1992, uh, <laughs> something like that, I was in college studying psychology to become a mental health counselor. And I was an avid reader. And I just happened to be browsing a bookstore one day and saw a strange little book called Frogs and the Princes. And Uh, That is a book of a, it's basically a series of transcripts from early NLP seminars where they were training NLP practitioners. And I picked up that book, started to read it, couldn't believe how I'd identified with it. And uh, then later that year, I took the NLP practitioner certification. I ended up being a uh, a mental health counselor licensed in the state of New Mexico. But I continued with my NLP training, became a, a trainer, got a weird break. It started teaching NLP in Tokyo, Japan in 1995. Wow, that's so great. Yeah, yeah. And I um, I, I a colleague of mine, uh, and I taught there for, I still teach there, but it's online now. But I, I, I lived there for four to six weeks a year for 17 years. That's so teaching cool. Wait, NLP, do you yeah. speak Japanese or no, were you teaching no, English only classes? All done through an interpreter. Yeah, no, uh, all, th- neither. Uh, they're all classes for uh, all done in Japanese. I just were sitting next to an interpreter the entire time. What so, a
1: wonderful opportunity!
0: Yeah, it was really great, really great. I also started teaching NLP in uh, in the United States, so mostly in New Mexico. Got my license to become a counselor, practiced 10 years uh, in private practice as a counselor before uh, really sort of taking, uh, well, I did a little hiatus and ran a couple companies in business because I thought, you know what, I live my whole life being a counselor and never know what it's like for people to have a job and a boss and employees and mm. play office politics. So. I actually took 5 years uh, another weird opportunity came along and I took 5 years and I was in uh I was in operations management at two different companies and boy that was an eye-opening experience cuz literally I had done nothing but sit in the counselor's chair since I was 25 years old yeah and uh I didn't know what office politics was. I didn't know <laughs> so what you get that it was job, you're have. like, oh,
1: I see why everyone has so many problems <laughs> all the right. time.
0: Exactly. I mean to have a boss that you can't stand. I had two yeah. uh, to have employees um that uh you know I didn't know what this stuff was basically. So I thought I'll be a better counselor in the long run if I go into the business world and live where most people live for a while and it, it absolutely and I a very, very difficult about five years. <laughs> that's but, so uh, funny.
1: It's just like Jane Goodall uh, with the apes, but like you're just going and living with other people, you know, <laughs> like yeah, going into yeah, their habitat right. and seeing what they're like.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but then in 2011, uh, we decided uh, to take all of the NLP training that I had been doing in the U.S. and Japan and put it online and find out if there was a way that we could transfer these skills to people in an online environment because that would open up the opportunity to so many more people. Mm. And we took a year to put together our first certification course, the NLP practitioner certification and it's a, bl- a blended learning uh, protocol where you're actually learning NLP online uh, in an online learning platform, and there's a blend of uh, independent study and sort of virtual classroom learning and practice in in your own life in your own context, uh, integrating the skills, and we developed this way of doing that which is really <laughs> successful I'm I mean, after the first year I was so convinced uh, that it's a better way to learn than actual in person training I mean I would go to Tokyo and I would do a 10 day in a row NLP certification and then a master practitioner certification 10 days in a row and It's like you come and you drink out of this fire hose for 10 days and then you go home and then you try to apply it all. And when you're learning through our platform uh, or through an online platform, uh, what you're doing is you're taking one little bite at a time and you're going to apply it in the context of your own life. And then you're asking other people who are doing the same thing how that's going for them and getting feedback and so forth. And then you're taking the next little bite at a time. And there's no expiration date on it. It doesn't end. Uh You do it on your own time and so forth. And it's just... As far as integration of skill, knowledge, yes, and skills, yes, it's yes. a much better way to go.
1: It makes so, so much sense. It's it's so yeah. funny hearing you say that, Mike. I just this past week down the street from where my wife and I live, um, there is a a rehab center, and my wife and I were walking the dog the other night, and we walked by it, and I just mentioned to my wife, I was like, man, it's got to be so interesting. Um, going to rehab and then coming home because this, it, like, we could yeah. hear people like laughing inside and playing ping pong, and it's yeah. like so you're in this rehab and everyone's in the same world and there's absolutely no alcohol around, there's no drugs around, so it's like uh, there's no temptation really because I mean and everyone there is just like you and it's a lot of good vibes you know and stuff like that, but then yeah. you go home. And all your friends that you used to hang out with, they still get a beer when they go out and get a yep. uh, slice yep. of pizza or whatever it is, and they yep. want you to come get a slice of pizza with them. And like, and you're back right. in real life now, and it's no longer that like perfect little world that was created. And that right. makes me think so much of the example that you just gave too of like when you go to a seminar or something, you are in an equally sort of fake bubble, you know, when you you're are. at like a 10-day seminar where everyone is just so in it and this and that. And, and yeah. there's not really a time to apply the things that you're learning very much. Um, but yeah, with your or training when you online... you
0: apply, they might have you break down into practice groups. And when you do apply guess what? It works like magic because everybody (laughs) just invested uh, in the seminar and they want it to work, right? You're past any skepticism of it. Well, that's why uh, I, uh, in the, I don't know, a couple, two, three years ago, um, Michael Grinder helped me teach a course and he's big into online learning. And he said to me, Mike, what you have going on here is that you're turning people's lives into a classroom. And so when you learn an NLP skill with us, we give you activities to do that are already in your day-to-day life with people who aren't taking a seminar with you. And so you get used to how people respond to what you're doing in the real world. Yeah. And the opportunity to develop skills that are actually going to be useful to you in the real world is much greater because that's where you're learning it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah. your wife yeah. being like, "I swear to God, if you try to analyze me one more time." <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's
1: true. Uh, something that you mentioned uh, much earlier on in your story was that Frogs Into Princes book, mm-hmm. which, by the mm-hmm. way, is such a fantastic name for a, an NLP book. Uh, yeah. It, but they, like, how much that resonated with you. What is it that, that made that resonate with you so much?
0: Uh, I thought about that. Um, it's a good question. It is the structural way of thinking um I've always been someone who's appreciated patterns and structure. And so when you know you're you're reading an NLP book and you're picking up on uh that this whole uh area that you and I have been talking about about you know you have you have this thought, but you have more than just this thought, you have a picture in your mind or you might have Uh, sounds going on and that's what you're calling a thought it just is this perspective uh that that understands really how one thing leads to another what makes things tick the way they do and there's a level of awareness to it that i really appreciated and it's not just oh well it's more uh you know, it's more knowledge or it's in a, it's a different perspective. It's just that this is in the area of literally what's happening in your own mind and body. And it's true. I mean, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's verifiable in your own experience. And that doesn't say that all the NLP models and so on and so forth are, you know, uh, scientifically valid in terms of they've all been researched. I mean, there's been research done and so forth, but, you know, NLP is not a science. But I really resonated with it as uh, this is really true in my experience. And I so appreciate the elegance of the structure and how useful it is. And how most people are simply not aware of how things are working inside their own mind. And uh, so it's a great opportunity as well to teach people.
1: Right. And if you're paying attention to and you understand the way in which you overcame something, like let's say I was afraid of roller coasters and I, and I, I came to you and you helped me out with that and i paid attention to the way in which you helped me out with that and how i had originally thought about the roller coaster then how i thought about it later that's actually a transferable skill now like that that's yes. something that i can use in other areas of my life because mm-hmm. of the fact that what we focused on was the how are we thinking about this and not like well why are you thinking about it to begin with and you know things right. like that because we right. focused on how i can now actually turn this towards other areas of my life which is so valuable
0: yeah, exactly. Um, it's, uh, or and, and you can teach it to other people and so forth. I mean, you know, we, we have different processes for well ha- how to make decisions. What inner process do you go through? And it's not, yeah, it, it, again, it is when you make a decision. Let's say you make an impu- decisions that are impulsive. Well, impulsive decisions have a certain structure, which is see it. It feels good. Do it. Right. There's no auditory component that says, should I do it? (laughs) (laughs) Would this be wise? Do I need this? Right? It's like I see the pair of shoes. I like the pair of shoes. I buy the pair of shoes without an auditory component, which is do I need a pair of shoes? Do should I spend the money? And so forth. And so you can change that structure and bring in an auditory component. And now you no longer have a compulsive decision making strategy. Well, when you understand these different strategies, you can look at any area of your life where, you know, how are you motivating yourself, for example, and say, what's the inner strategy that I go through in order to motivate myself and is it and is it work and is it working? So again, once you get the structure, you can apply it to all kinds of different things. So you're absolutely right about that.
1: Right. So uh, before we wind down, I'd love to talk about kind of exactly what you were just saying a little bit. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't cover that because I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this that maybe don't have too many fears in their life or the things that they're afraid of. They're not super motivated to change. It's like, no, but yeah, I'm afraid yeah, of snakes, yeah. but whatever. How often do I see one? It's not a big deal, right. you know? Right. But there are probably many more people. And again, this is why NLP is so uh, popular in the sort of like self help guru group there are probably many more people that are struggling with wanting to achieve something and Uh and falling short like over and over again so whether that Uh be like losing weight or just success in their lives like i always feel Mm -hmm. like i'm number two and i want to be number one for once or whatever it is um how can nlp help with things like that like rather than removing a bad thing helping you achieve a good thing
0: right well, uh, there's a lot of different areas. If we stick with this, and there are other ways besides these internal strategies, but let's stick with the in, with, with the strategies part. Um, well, it's sort of a matter of asking yourself, what skill do you want to develop, and where are you where are you falling short, and and what skill do you want to develop? I mean, uh, you know, there there are people out there who uh, really connect well and develop rapport with other people Uh, there's a strategy involved in that Uh, there are husbands out there who really are good at uh, uh, communicating love and making their wives feel appreciated and, and important how do they do that there are people who can handle criticism without getting defensive how do they do that there are people who can stand up for themselves without coming off as a jerk. How do those people do it? Uh, There are people who can motivate themselves easily. How do they do it? Uh, There are people who uh, don't have a temptation to overeat. Uh, They eat what they enjoy eating and they love food, but they know when to stop. How do they do it? What process do they go through in their mind and body and there's a uh, there's a million of these different areas that well, you're basically saying what do i le- want to learn how to do better and how do i do it how do i put a process together uh that uh, to make it happen and the good news is these days um you don't have you can but you don't have to go find somebody that already does it well and break it down Um, NLP has done that so much over the years that a good solid NLP practitioner is going to uh, be able to help you break down what you're currently doing and adjust it to something that's going to work better for you. And so all of these different areas, or maybe you want to become someone who can uh, help yourself design strategies for any area or help other people design uh, effective strategies, then, you know, you become an NLP practitioner and uh, sort of learn to master all kinds of different areas uh, of this. So, Mm. yeah.
1: Awesome. So, and then I imagine a large part of that, like, I guess the part that gets into the linguistic programming part is, I guess, how, how does the per- the person that let's say is uh does not overeat like how is that person viewing food and how is that person talking yes. to themselves about food and about their uh, fitness yes. and stuff like that
0: yeah and when that person dis- um and when that person uh, how does that person this person know whether or not to take another bite of food and when they decide to stop and not take another bite What's happening? It's something very, very differently different is happening than with someone who uh, goes past that mark overeating, but it's something that someone an overeater uh is just you know not doing there's just something that is missing from their equation that they're capable of doing and so forth so these are all strategies. That end up being really effective internal mental tools to do what you want to do. Yeah,
1: for sure. I love that. And I love that you just used the word equation. It's like you really have to dig deep to find what someone's, I guess, like equation is for why they do something or how they do something. You know? Yeah. Because I feel like yeah. if if most of us went to someone today that was really fit or that was a CEO of a company or whatever, and you said, like, you know, why are you great? There's like Ah, because I like I wake up at six a.m. Yeah. every day and I feel great and it's awesome, yeah. you know. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's funny because I woke up at six a.m. today and I felt like crap <laughs> so and I didn't right. start my own company, so I don't know what you're talking right. about.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then they're going to turn it around into advice. Well, what you got to do is you just got to, yeah. you know. Be, <laughs> right. yeah. It's like that. That is again, most of us are largely unaware of what's of the internal strategy we're actually using we're aware of the outcome whether we love the outcome or not and then we have a completely different interpretation of why you know what we're doing is working but these are all unconscious strategies you're right you you have to dig in and when you're trying to fi- when you're trying to figure out what strategy somebody's using they're learning right along with you uh, it, it's unconscious information you're going for
1: man this just strikes me is uh not to uh Uh, I I, like I'm going to throw you like the biggest plug ever right now. This strikes me as like such (laughs) a reason why it would be so awesome to do one of your programs online about NLP is because then it a rather than going, like you said, people are always want to offer advice, you know, like, oh, this is what you should do. And it's hard to or or you might follow the person's advice, but it doesn't click right. And it's like, well, why isn't it clicking? Um, I swear I'm doing what they're like, I said, like, oh, that dude told me to wake up at 6 a.m. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing it. But like, I'm not getting the same results as him. But if you learned NLP a little bit, you could actually go to just everyday people that you see in your life that have the things that you want. And you could start digging and digging and digging. You could start asking them the right questions to maybe get to these things that you know are actually right. going to help you as opposed to reading a book on fitness or something. And, you know, reading your 10th book on fitness, going That's and talking right. to just a person who's just a normal fit person and, and asking those deep sort of NLP related questions. Um, yeah, that's awesome. It's like, as long as you learn NLP, then you have this never-ending pool of wisdom of, of just the world around you.
0: That's right. That's right. And you can give people the, uh, the specific elements of the equation that adds up to what they want, as opposed to saying, um, here's, you know, here's what you have to do. Here's the end result. Uh, you're actually giving them the building blocks to get them to the end result. And so yeah, no, you I appreciate the plug and everything for you know becoming an NLP practitioner, but I I'm biased, but I have to agree with you um on that one, Blake. It's uh well, A, really really great. Yeah.
1: A, A, your your site is awesome, by the way. And oh, thank uh you. And it, like it's been around for a really long time. You've been doing this. Like it's like by far the most like professional one of these things. And the thing yeah. that I just want to say as a side note is, it, it struck me how inexpensive so many of these different trainings that you have are. Because I, I kind yeah. of assumed it was going to be like. Okay, if I want to learn about NLP to like work it into my own life, I'm, you know, yeah. the course is like $10,000 or something. It's like, yeah. man, well, that might be all right if I was like a life coach that was already making a lot of money as a life coach and I just wanted to up my game or if I was a right. therapist who wanted to work this right. into my therapy. But if I'm just right. a person, I'm not going to pay like 10 grand. But unfortunately, a exactly. lot of programs are like that online and it's like you yeah. clearly understood that there are people that just want to learn and you made it very inexpensive for people to just come and learn, so they can put these things into practice. Yeah.
0: yeah, and we we also our aim from the beginning was to be an international NLP training center. That's what the I in I NLP Center is all about. We have students in sixty three countries, and when you look at a lot of the countries, um, they are uh, you know they're they're not wealthy countries. And in even, and many of the countries, um, uh, it's not like they're impoverished countries, but if you look at the exchange rate of their right, currency right. to the dollar, and we collect our enrollment fees in U.S. dollars, um, you know, there's a lot of different factors like that that we have wanted to accommodate since the beginning. And it's, re- it's really worked with, you know, people in 63 countries are enrolled in our course. They're connecting with each other. And so forth, and and then the other thing is, we decided also that we just were going to be super fair about it. I mean, my uh, my expenses as as an NLP trainer uh, have. I mean, if you look at it, I'm not flying to Japan. You know, I'm not going anywhere to do this. I'm not renting a building uh, to do it in. I'm not paying for ads in a newspaper and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of expenses and overhead uh that um that we don't have anymore. Although we uh, we do have some, obviously mean, we've grown so much and we have staff and so forth now. But um it just is a different model and it's okay to make it uh you know priced fairly and available to as many people as possible. That's the route we decided to go down as opposed to these super high investment and we're going to make it appear to be this exclusive thing where you're and And so we decided not to, not to go that route to be a yeah. little bit different than that. Yeah.
1: I love it. That's great. I mean, yeah. it, just because you uh, don't have, like you said, the overhead that you used to doesn't mean that you actually have to care. You know, you could still just like price, <laughs> price gouge everyone. That's, and, true. <laughs> but That's true. It's nice that you actually yeah. care about that. That's great to hear. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and wind this thing down, Mike, if you could give sure. us, just like one major piece of advice for people that have struggled with something kind of majorly in their past that they would really like to push through, I guess what advice would you give to them?
0: I would say the first thing to do is figure out what's on the other side. What do you want to be on the other side of pushing through it? So ask yourself the question, uh, if this problem were solved, what result would you have that you want? It's that question. Instead of this problem, what do you want? So then you have two things. You have a problem and you have a desired solution. You have something you want and you have something that's standing in the way. Uh, you're probably very, fam- very familiar with having this thing stand in your way, but spend some time really defining clearly uh, what you want that's on the other side of that to give yourself a direction to go in and from there uh, you can start to find out find other people who have gotten where you want to be and discover how they overcame those obstacles so set that certain set that direction is what i have the quick advice i would yeah,
1: give love it great advice yeah. Mike, thank you so much for the uh, the overview on everything and the great you stories. Bet. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Blake. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or Tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.